You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Welcome to First Bite, our Detroit Lions midweek podcast where we bring in a guest, talk all things Detroit Lions. It is the bye week, so no preview this week, but we don't stop ever. It, we, we just keep going, despite the fact that a lot of people would say, no, take a break. You deserve it. it it's painful. We, we actually don't even want to listen to anything. Please take a break. No, we don't do that here. My name is Jeremy Rice, and by the way, I'm the producer over at Pride of Detroit. You can find me at Detroit Online. With me, uh, courageously trudging through the filth here, is our senior editor at Ryan underscore POD on Twitter. Ryan Matthews is here. How you doing, buddy? I, I, I'm worried that, like, simultaneously the bye week is flying by and also moving by at a snail's pace, and either way, it seems like it's just awful. <laughs> I... Um... I don't know. I feel like that Patriots game game is pretty far in the rear view already. So I like that. Yeah. It just means that we're speeding towards the next time the Lions are going to be on the field and maybe that won't be so great, but we'll see. (laughs) Well, we'll see just how bad it is, how bad things are going with, uh, with our guest here who has been kind of on the periphery, I guess maybe would be the best way to to put the, the lions beat. Uh, He's the former lions beat writer for the athletic. He's now the NFL draft editor for the athletic chris burke is back chris welcome back buddy this is kind of like a break we don't have to talk about the lions like i mean <laughs> it's a good time drop me in on the bye when no one's paying attention it's nice i like it yeah. uh, thanks for having me though happy to uh hop on with you guys yeah and and i know i know you've still been paying attention to the team i i see the the occasional tweets and uh i know i know the team at least means something to you still so uh I I kind of like that you have maybe more of an outsider's perspective because I think sometimes you can be too close to this team, maybe too emotional to this team. So just plainly put, how bad are things right now? <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is kind of it, – it's been interesting because, you know, I was there on the beat through the spring and then into the start of the summer. So I sort of had these opinions formed about what, you know, the issues were going to be and what was maybe going to be good and, and all those sorts of things. And – uh, unfortunately, the things that looked like they were going to be issues in April and May and June, um, I, I mean, have really come to fruition throughout the start of the season here. And then the, whatever's going on with the injuries in the state of Michigan, <laughs> the city of Detroit in general with the sports teams uh, continues to be problematic. So, um, no, I mean, it's been pretty bad. I, I, I didn't think that they were going to be a playoff team necessarily this year, but I thought they'd be more competitive than this and they probably should i mean they should be at least two and three and maybe three and two four and one so um i don't know i it's just uh this was always kind of the year like last year you knew was going to be bad um 
And so this year was supposed to be sort of the stepping stone towards next year, really taking a run at whatever they were going to be, I think. Um, and now it's, you get, you just worry that the, the, you got to kind of move the goalpost at some point say like, well, this is going to take longer than maybe we thought it was. So um, I don't know. We'll see. Obviously they got 12 games left, but um, it's been kind of rough so far as you are well aware. Yeah. Yeah. It has been, has been pretty rough, Chris. And I, I guess, the question is why has the defense been as rough as it has been? Um, because I think that's probably where we should start with, with just how bad things are in Detroit. I know you just mentioned, you know, is, is it the injury bug that's just, you know, biting the hell out of this team or is it just the defense is still that far away because they were pretty far away a year ago too. Yeah. I mean, I, I do think it's a combination of everything. I mean, as I talk about those issues, I think we all saw in, April and May, you certainly looked at the secondary and had to feel a little bit wary, like excited that Jeff Okuda was coming back and Jerry Jacobs eventually would be coming back and uh, that they got Tracy Walker re-signed, but pretty much everything had to go right there. I mean, Jeremy, you were down there and at the senior bowl when, uh, you know, the coaches were talking about, well, we really like Tracy, but he's got to be a lot better. He's got to make some more plays and all this stuff. And that was he was coming in as the guy in the secondary and that's what they were saying about him. So that's sort of where the bar was for that group. And then, you know, everything else just has kind of been, I don't know. I mean, it's just been disappointing. I think I'm sure for them to see the lack of development. I mean, Akuda, you knew was going to take a little bit of time to get back in the swing of things, but Oro has been, you know, flat out bad. Mike Hughes hasn't been very good. Um, you know, I think Deshaun Elliott, I was actually surprised they didn't start him last week. I thought he'd been all right, but, um, you know, that was always a spot that those two positions, cornerback and safety, that looked like they might be problematic, especially if the pass rush and the linebackers weren't a lot better and they haven't been a lot better, obviously. And some of that's injuries. Um, but again, I mean, I, I know we're going to talk about this eventually, but a, a lot of this to me just goes back to the personnel and you're going into this thing saying, all right, if everyone stays healthy and if everyone gets better, they got a shot to be all right. And neither of those things has happened. So you sort of are where you are now. And we, and we can jump to that because I think a lot of, a lot of people <laughs> I skipped ahead. In the we, I mean, we might as well, right? Let's, let's talk about kind of the, the monkey, the elephant in the room here, because I think now some of the criticism is, is being pushed to Brad Holmes. And you look at the off season, you said you're right. Like they didn't make a splash move in free agency on the defense really at all um, that, you know, Brad Holmes's argument was that he re-signing his own players was the splat can count as a splash move, which I mean, okay. But Charles Harris hasn't played well. Tracy Walker has been injured. So all your splash signings have not really worked out so far. So is there a moment, is there a misstep specifically that you, you look at Brad Holmes? Was, was it waiting too long to address safety in the draft? Was it not, maybe going after one of those guys. I know they're in a kind of tight financial situation now and they, they kind of were in free agency as well. So I don't know, like it, it's definitely, it feels okay to say like, okay, this team isn't personnel wise where they need to be, but is there something that Brad Holmes specifically, I guess, could have done uh, to, to, to make things at least better in one season, I guess. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's sort of the tough thing because I think I, especially being outside it now, I'm trying to view it more from like, uh, what did they, you know, what's their long range plan here? Cause I, yeah. when they came in, this wasn't like, we're going to be in the playoffs in 2022. It right. was, 
this was going to be a little bit. And then I think they came into this year thinking, all right, well, maybe we are a little farther ahead than we expected to be at this point. And you especially go back to last year on offense. I mean, a few weeks into that season in 2021, you're sitting there thinking like, this is a disaster. Like they cannot keep playing Jared Goff. Everyone looks horrible. Uh, And that, you know, gradually they're like, just, we're just going to stick with it. We're going to make some changes. We're going to, you know, we'll, we'll tweak some stuff. And, you know, they got to this off season and saw a couple opportunities to bring in shark and bring in Williams, who we haven't seen obviously, but um, that got better. And so I guess you kind of looking at the defense and everything as a whole and saying, all right, well, maybe that was the lessons in patience. Like they still, maybe they still are on the path they thought they're going to be on. But uh, <laughs> that said, um, I mean, for me, yeah, a lot of it does start with the secondary because I think both in free agency and in the draft, they had opportunities to address uh, safety for sure. And then, you know, cornerback to me, um, you know, that's one of those positions almost it's almost gotten like running back where you can get to September 1st and be like, all right, well, who's a guy that started 50 games in this league that we can just go plug in. Um, yeah. You know, like, uh, and it just, um, they just haven't gone out and found those guys. I mean, and I said, Mike Hughes has been bad. I, like, I think he was supposed to be one of those guys, but um, I, I really thought that they'd add something else on the outside to make sure that they didn't get into the position that they're in now with, well, what if or I worry regresses and Okuda's not playing at an elite level? Then what do you do? And they don't really have that many built-in answers. And it's the right. same thing at safety. Like unless Walker, if Walker had stayed healthy and made a leap to an all-pro guy, then okay, you're you've got some stuff to work with there. But now he's hurt. They're obviously not thrilled with how Elliott's playing, and it's like who else on this team has played defensive back that we can throw in there at safety for a few snaps. So to me, that points back to, um, I guess a couple of things with Brad Holmes. And one is I, I think there were probably mistakes made along the way of of not maybe, uh, overemphasizing what they could do in house and, and trusting the coaching staff too much or something like that, you know, just like, Oh, they're going to make everyone better. We saw it last year. It's going to happen again. That's how we're going to do it. And that's a really difficult uh, way to to live when you have to do it with every single guy on the <laughs> right. roster, you know. Um, and then the second thing is, you know, I guess if there's – if I have, like, one criticism in general of sort of how Holmes has approached things is that a lot of the stuff on defense has felt very um, reactionary to me, I guess. Like, you know, you went into the offseason and it wasn't like, well, what are we going to do if – Levi isn't back. It was Levi's great. He looks awesome. We're going to start him. And then now you don't have Levi and Campbell's like, uh, I don't like who knows when he's going to come back. And uh, same thing on the edge, like Romeo Quora, we kind of heard in April and May, like this, he's not going to be there. Like you're not going to have him in September. Yeah. And what was the backup plan there? And they drafted Hutchinson, obviously, but okay. You have Hutchinson, you have Harris. Uh, what if those guys aren't getting to the quarterback? I mean, like, who's your third guy there? Like, who's your interior pass rusher? A lot of this stuff that um, you kind of circled all offseason. So they need to get better there. And they never really got better. And now you're back where you started. So um, I do think there have been some mistakes by Brad Holmes or maybe like just a lack of aggression in, in some cases. I don't know. What, 
Yeah, I don't know. Are there like a couple guys that you think that they would have made this better? Like, are there guys that you're really mad they didn't go sign this offseason? Not, I mean, not in particular. I, th- I think Ryan, like Marcus there, Williams, there were times, yes, maybe, maybe. <laughs> Isn't but... he on IR right now, too? Yeah, decision. Yeah, I, I think maybe the sticking point in the secondary was like waiting so long on safety, right? They had a couple opportunities there. And I think, I think now you can maybe, and listen, this is all kind of a short term view. Like a rookie safety wouldn't have made this team a much better team, right? That we're talking about rookies here. Um, but I think I think you know if we get down the road and Jameson Williams is just kind of an okay wide receiver, I, I think I, I think <laughs> right, that's a move yeah. that you'll look back right. and be like, did you need to make that splash play? I mean they they had the number one offense without him for a while here, and I know you want to have as many weapons you can't have enough weapons on offense, and you want to stretch a, a team in as many directions as you can. But the Lions had a lot of draft capital right at the end of that first round, early second round that. They could have gotten two more. De- like now everyone's talking about, we got to get two defensive starters next year, right? We got to get like, well, you had the opportunity to get two or three last year and you decided Jamison Williams was your better option. And listen, I'm not going to bury that decision yet. Obviously we have to wait and see how that plays out. But I think that's, that's maybe one, a sticking point that uh, you'll look back on and, and wonder if, if maybe that was the right decision. Right. Uh, and, yeah. yeah. Go ahead, Chris. No, no, no. Go for it. Your show. You go first. <laughs> oh, well, no, I, I just wanted to actually kick it back to you because of what Jeremy just said. Like, you know, in, in in talking about Holmes, you know, you mentioned maybe the team just thought they were a little bit closer uh, coming out of that first year and they go into the draft and they get a couple of players that had injuries, Jameson Williams and Josh Pascal. I mean, that's somebody that we haven't mentioned yet, but do you view that as Holmes thinking, well, we are a li- we we think we're a little bit ahead of schedule, so we can afford to to buy guys that we might have to stash for a while, um, and that we can we can bring along slowly, and 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 we'll, we'll we'll go from there. Or do you think that he just got you know eyes too big in front of the candy store and 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 wanted to move up and, and get his guys? Uh, I mean, I think it's probably more of the former. I, I and that's why I say like I go back to it's really hard to be patient with anything that happens in this league and especially with this franchise and you know <laughs> people like going back to the beat writer days nick Baumgartner and i were talking about this um at some point i don't remember when when we had the conversation but like even when matt patricia and bob quinn were here people used to get mad at, at us for not like just killing them on every single move you know and part of the job i guess is just to try to be that voice of reason and step back and see like, all right, let's just this dude's an NFL general manager and I'm not, let me give (laughs) him the benefit of the doubt (laughs) and let me try and figure out like, what is he seeing that's going to make this move pay off in when, when this team's ready to go compete. And so um, that's why I like the Jamison Williams pick um, even Kirby Joseph, like I like Kirby Joseph a lot as a prospect. Like I think he can still be a really good NFL player. Um, it, it's just they keep getting in those spots where uh, both this regime and the previous regime where like, okay, so they drafted Kirby Joseph. They didn't really want Kirby Joseph to play a ton out of the gate, it seemed like. And now all of a sudden, that's all you got because you didn't have you didn't do anything else to – really bolster that position and it happened. That's why Will Harris was so terrible for two or three years because they were like, well, we got to play him at free safety. And it was a disaster. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and so 
When I say like that, that they're kind of more reactionary to some of the key spots, uh, you know, that's sort of what I have in mind. And it's mostly been, it's mostly been on the defensive side of the ball. And that's yeah. sort of the curiosity of it. Like uh, maybe they just had a, maybe it was just, you know, sort of how things fell that they were able to piece it together better offensively in this 18 month window. And now they can focus on getting some guys around Hutchinson and, right. and whoever else is going to be there. Um, but we've also seen like they've had injuries up front and they've had guys capable of stepping in and now they're like eight deep at wide receiver. And so they've had some injuries there and there's still guys to go and, and running back has been, they've been able to find running backs to plug them in and, and it just hasn't happened on defense. So, um, it's kind of a long winded way of saying, like, I think that they, I still think that if you ask Brad Holmes right now, he'd say like, All right, maybe we did a couple of things wrong, but this is still, we still have I'm the same it. vision we had last year and that hasn't changed. And so, um, I don't know, again, I'm trying not to like go overboard on, <laughs> sure. on ripping on their moves. But... That's, I think that's what we need right now. Chris, cause after losing to Matt Patricia's offense, wow. uh, things have, have spiraled a bit out of control, but, but it, I mean, you, you mentioned, you know, last year, this time the year, the offense was a mess. They, they get to the bye week they figure some things out and now they're in a pretty good spot on offense. Pretty good spot. Is there a chance something like that could happen defensively? I, I know that seems like a lot, but, but I mean, like you mentioned, you know, maybe, maybe they had a better foundation on offense. You know, they had the offensive line almost put together when they got here. So Maybe the defense takes a little bit more time. Maybe getting Josh Pascal and and John Kaminsky and Jerry Jacobs. Like I, I know, I know those aren't exciting, you know, blue chippers. But is there a chance that at least helps out the defense? And then, you know, you look into the offseason, then you you attack it hard, like they like they did the the offense this past offseason. Yeah. Well, I mean, even if you get those guys back, that's three more guys you know can play. I mean, sure. two at least, and then maybe Pascal. Right. <laughs> yeah, I think Pascal will be useful in the ways that we talked about him being useful, you know, in April. Like he can rush from the interior, and they don't have anyone who could do that. So right. um, that's just, you know, that that's three more guys that can help you. So, I, I mean, I do think that there is a chance it improves. I mean, I think some of this comes down to obviously how much you trust this coaching plan and the staff to figure it out. I, I also think that. Like you, I don't know that you necessarily would love to have a buy in week five, week six of an 18 week season. But when you look at sort of the injuries the Lions have had and also, you know, what they're asking of guys like Hutchinson, Rodriguez, who are playing in their first seasons, Okuda, who's coming off injury, Elliot, who's coming off an injury. It's not like they babied these guys through the off season and training camp. Like they, pushed them pretty hard. They had the joint practices with the Colts and the heat they had, you know, they, they were playing in the preseason, like they, they made them work. And so I think just having the week right now to sort of regroup as a coaching staff, but also let those guys who went from, you know, college or from not playing last year or from whatever it was to being on the field all the time, have seven days where they can just kind of chill out. Right. Um, I think that definitely could help and just sort of, let you regroup because we, I mean, we've also seen for whatever reason, this franchise is, is has been maybe among, uh, probably among the worst in the NFL at like 
not letting things spiral, you know? <laughs> so maybe this gives you just a natural break to that spiral where you can say, all right, let's just forget the first five weeks. Let's figure out something for the rest of the season and see if we can improve. So I think it's possible. Sure. If, if I can just say one last bad thing before we go to break. <laughs> sure. Okay. Um, but no, I, I, I think it's a really good point that Chris was making about not having a lot of contingency plans in place for positions specifically where there are younger players. But I think another one is like John Kaminsky. I mean, he gets claimed on June 1st. We find out that Pascal has the sports hurting a surgery a week later. I mean, it, it seemed like another thing where it's like, we don't have a contingency plan, so we're just going to grab a guy and hopefully that works out. And he kind of fell into their lap though. Right. Like he was, he, he was, a, he was a hot commodity, eight, eight other teams or whatever claimed. Yeah. Him. Yeah, for sure. And, but I, I guess like, I don't know, it, they were lucky to be in that spot, I guess is the point too. So now, now they just need another kicker to fall into their lap. <laughs> Oh God! <laughs> All right. Let's no special right teams talk on this podcast. No special teams talk on this podcast. Good call. Please. That's a good call. Yeah. Uh, let's take a break here. When we come back, we're going to answer, ask Chris more questions. Maybe, maybe talk about some happier things on the offensive side of the ball. Also get a little bit into his thoughts on, on Dan Campbell and the hot seat question mark. Uh, so stick with us here on first flight. We will be right back. And we are back here on First Bite with Chris Burke of The Athletic. Uh, let's talk about some more pleasant things, uh, like like Jared Goff. Um, pretty decent start to the season, obviously, a, a little bit of a step back in this Patriots game. But um, I'm just kind of curious because I, I think anytime we try to analyze Jared Goff's play, people get very angry in one direction or the other. Okay. Good. Thanks for bringing me on to do it. Then. Yeah. So now, <laughs> now it's your turn to, to, to get some awesome. angry tweets in your direction. So Love it. Uh, through five weeks, I guess just what's your overall thought of, of, of his plays is, is he making a viable case to be the, the long-term guy here? Uh, I, um... <laughs> I think you just answered it already. <laughs> I don't know what those noises were even more. Uh, <laughs> It's it's tough again. Like long term guy, I don't like. I think like that's like a five year thing for me. Like that's like you're committing the this whole regime to Jared Goff, and I would say no. Um, do I think he could be their quarterback next year? Sure. <laughs> um, I I don't know. The problem is uh, like I think. Uh, whatever you thought about Jared Goff heading into the season he's given you now over five games, you know, if you thought he could be good in this offense and they could call some really nice plays for him. And occasionally he could open things up downfield. We've seen some of that. We've yeah. seen him work really well um, in some pressure spots and in some shootouts. And uh, he's had a couple games where he has tried to stretch the field a little bit. And if you thought eventually when push came to shove, he was going to be, the guy he was at the start of last year who, uh, you know, got spooked by the pass rush and made some bad decisions and wanted to check down. That's what that entire Patriots game was. So uh, I don't know. The Patriots game for me is 
Like, I think those first four week, weeks, I was kind of creeping towards like, all right, well, they, maybe this can work. Maybe they can do this with him. And then the Patriots game hits. You're like, oh, right. I shouldn't have changed my opinion <laughs> of where I was. So um, I still think he is, again, to kind of go back to the front office not panicking, I still think he is what they were hoping or what they planned he would be for two, maybe three years, which is what you're getting. And, and in some cases, I think he's probably been a little better than they were hoping he would be. So um, I, I, I don't know. I mean, I still think that they don't have their long-term guy, but I think like short-term as they're still figuring a lot of this stuff out, he's been fine. Um, it's just like that. That's not super exciting. Then you look at his contract and you're like, Oh, <laughs> can we do something else with that money? Um so there's obviously some complications, but yeah, I mean, he's been, he's was good for four weeks and I think probably it'll be pretty good for most of the rest of the year. If, if they, you know, as long as they protect him pretty well. I, I promise I'm not trying to get you to take a bullet for me here, Chris, but I'm going to ask the question, <laughs> how much more important do you think Ben Johnson might be to this Lions offense than, than Jared Goff? Um, is there something to the idea that, Jared Goff has really kind of experienced this renaissance as soon as we started hearing Ben Johnson's name, right? As soon as Dan Campbell takes over play calling duties, we hear a lot more Ben Johnson. Is is it okay if Detroit does pull the plug on Goff without like a clear plan heading into draft season? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know about without a clear plan. Um, but I think if you pull the plug on golf, that sort of is your clear plan, right? Like that's right. if you bail on him in March, I think that you're telling people we're going to draft someone and we're going to probably sign, you know, a bridge guy or a, a just a cheap backup or whatever. Um, which I think is fine. They want to go that way. Assuming this season doesn't, they don't end up magically going 10 and seven or something. Like I think that that's fine to go that route if they, if they want to. Uh, but I, I mean, it's a really interesting point because I think you're right. I think we've seen and we've heard certainly from the players in that building just how much of a difference Ben Johnson makes and how much differently he sees the game than uh, than some other coordinators they've been around. And so I think that he is um, really vital to what they're doing moving forward. And I think that's also sort of one of the mysteries, like what, you know, you see him draft Jamison Williams and they keep bringing in these guys that are going to be vertical threats. And, you know, you've got Swift and now this Ben Johnson offense, and you sort of are trying to squint and see what it would look like if you had a, like a Justin Herbert type guy in there, you know, like a right. dual threat or with a guy with a huge arm in there. Um, and I don't know that, you know, we can just leap to conclusions and say, well, if you give Ben Johnson a, a top five quarterback, like you give him Bryce young, this thing's going to be incredible. Um, but I do think that there's growing amount of evidence that uh, he can, he can put together a pretty impressive offense that fits whatever their personnel is going to be, you know, not counting this game against the Patriots, but just right, right. everything else we've seen. Well, I, cause I, I can already sense the debate happening between the Lions fans between like, Let's let's just go get a quarterback and maybe Jared Goff is a quarterback for a year. And then we transition to this guy like a, you know, the, the prime example everyone uses is Alex Smith and Patrick Mahomes type of thing. But that's obviously like ideal situation. Never, never <laughs> seems to work out that well versus like, hey, 
our our offense is fine right now. Our offense is really good right now. Why not just spend these these two first round picks on defense? Is is it kind of like either way is okay, or is there is there one that kind of makes more sense to you? Because it does feel like they've kicked this quarterback situation down the road. I don't know four or five years now. Like I I wasn't for drafting someone necessarily while well, Stafford was here, but but it's been a while since they've drafted yeah. one. They they and and you know who it was it was Bob Quinn who said like. You should be drafting a quarterback every other year, just and then didn't, and then and, and then draft didn't. quarterbacks, <laughs> right? Um, Smokescreen, Jeremy, clearly. <laughs> well, and Brad Holmes was the guy when he was in LA. He said, you know, you can't finish your rebuild or see the finish line. Whatever the whatever his comment was, You're like you can't get to the finish line unless you have your quarterback, right? Um, and so it's the same argument over and over again. I mean, I certainly think what we were talking about with this defense, what we've seen the last two, three. 20 years on defense <laughs> like i mean yeah you want to go get will anderson and christian gonzalez or like i don't know whoever your number two pick is some safety like you want to go get uh that type of those type of players okay i i, I don't know that it'd be hard to really sit here if they end up picking you know one or two or three and will anderson sitting there for them <laughs> it'd be really hard to be like well you should have taken Will Levis. Um, no offense to Will Levis, but uh, I, so I think there's going to be an argument, regardless of how the rest of the season goes, for them yeah. to um, go defense. Uh, I don't know. I think that this is really this next draft will probably tell us a lot about sort of uh, just what the overall philosophy is here. Like if they really are committed to draft and develop at every single position. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how do you get better on defense if the guys you drafted and developing, you, know, you went that draft and develop route with aren't draft getting better, you know? Um, so uh, I don't know. It's really, it's really tough. I, I, the problem is what you mentioned though, Jeremy, like if you don't, every time you don't take a quarterback, you're just, adding to how long it's going to be before you have a quarterback right, right. so and this, and this rookie isn't going to like if the rest of your roster is finally ready and then you go get a rookie quarterback well then like you gotta wait right. a year or two for him to actually be good so i think that that's part of the conversation like is this is year three really the one that they had circled and said all right that's when we're gonna go that's when we're gonna be a playoff contender we're ready because in that case, I don't know. I think you're right. I think you probably do go defense. I don't know what you draft. Like, as good as I think a guy like C.J. Stroud could be in the NFL, like, if you're thinking you can make a run at the division, are you, it's tough to do that. Right? You know, it's cutting golf, drafting a rookie, right. signing Teddy Bridgewater or whatever, you know, whoever your backup's going to be, and yeah. saying we're, we're going to compete for the division title. Um, but – I don't, again, I just, I don't think Goff is the guy that they're going to tie this entire regime to for six years or however many of the years they get into this contract. Um, and so the really the only viable alternative other than doing what the Rams did, which is just like getting to the finish line and then trading for the guy who gets you over the top is to take one. And so I think eventually... <laughs> Not even eventually, like pretty soon it's got to happen. And that's why you stockpile these draft picks. And that's why you agreed to the Stafford trade in the first place. Like 
you gave yourself sort of a two-year window to get it all put in place and go into this draft, have two extra picks or have an extra pick in the first round and take your shot. So I still think that's the way it ends up going this year, but then you're not taking someone on defense and your defense is maybe going to be bad again. You better spend every free agent penny on defense. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, Jeremy um, let the record show that you definitely brought draft talk into the podcast. So (laughs) the one guy, the one guy who I'm I'm clearly in a better mood than I was (laughs) in Sunday. Right. Exactly. Yeah. We um, should draft Jake Moody and just call it a, let's get that kicker in there. Solve the special teams issue somewhere in there. That'll, that'll, that'll fix everything. Um, so I, I guess Jeremy, uh, you know, teased it before break talking about like, is it time to start thinking about Dan Campbell being on the hot seat? And I guess the discussion that we just had like made me think if, you know, this is, seems like it's probably a package deal. Like I really do kind of think that Brad Holmes and, and Dan Campbell are almost kind of inextricably tied to one another at this point. And he doesn't have the ability to really move on from a head coach. In my opinion, it seems like the next thing that starts the clock on Brad Holmes really is what we just talked about. Like it's moving on from Jared Goff and then saying, well, like, you know, you went and got your guy. And and that's what makes me think like the lions will probably end up, like they can very rationally, you know, explain why they go defense heavy in the first round. Like it, it it's not going to require a whole lot of explanation, but I, I guess my question to you, Chris is like, how, how, how much of a leash do, do these two guys have? I mean, I think it's still pretty long. Um, I, and I think that's why they got the length of the contract that they did. And I also think it's why I keep coming back to the patience thing because, um, like it sort of reminds me a little bit and obviously this is not a one for one comparison, but like when you got to like year four of the Jim Harbaugh era in Michigan, you're like, what happens if this doesn't work? Like what, uh, what else is there to try? We've done all the other stuff. Um, and so that's sort of from, at least from like trying to put myself in the mind of Sheila Amp, like that's, I'm looking at this situation. Like you brought in the guy from new England, you let him do their thing, try to build that. It didn't work. You had Jim Caldwell didn't work. This was supposed to be the thing that, that changed the culture, you know? And I think it has changed. I mean, I think the culture is certainly different than it was. And so I think you just try to keep building on that. The one thing that I'm really curious to see, even as I say, I think that I don't think Campbell's anywhere near the hot seat right now. Um, I mean, I think we're at least next season, like another season away from really having a conversation like that. And that's if this season is three or four wins and then you start like, oh, and four next year, then you start getting concerned. But the one thing I am curious to see is just how his uh, personality plays as some of this stuff doesn't work out. Like he's this player's coach. He's always in your corner. So how does Oral Worrier react to getting benched all of a sudden? How does Aaron Glenn react if you go to him and say, all right, I got to take over some of this. This isn't working. Um, And so I think that that will be interesting to kind of follow here because last year that was the thing. Everyone responded. Everyone was on board. They were playing for him. They were playing for the team. The culture was shifting and it was great. Does his message still land? Is this message still landing if you're bad again this year? And if you're benching the guys that helped you build the culture in the first place? I don't know. And I think that'll be really interesting to watch here. 
And the the other kind of aspect of it, and I'm, I'm kind of curious as to your take on it, is is the game management stuff, right? Is oh, I, I know I know it's only a fraction part of of a head coaching job, but it's it's also the the most public facing, right? It's the one that everyone can actually see him do. And so, I don't know, Dan Dan Camp. I, I think it's a fair question to ask. Like, is is he cut out for for that sort of stuff? Because he is a guy that, as by by his own admission admission says he's he's a go with your gut kind of guy and so that can get you into some trouble and sometimes (laughs) i i still don't have that big of an issue with the fourth and nine thing obviously the vikings decision was a disaster and and he to his credit he did he did admit it that it was a disaster but that's kind of the problem right like when he has time to think it through and 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 really think about it he'll make the right decision but is he kind of a, a guy that rides the wave a little too much in, in the moment? Is that, is that a fair criticism of him right now? Or yeah, I, I mean, the other part of it is like, you look around the NFL, who doesn't make mistakes in, in game management, right? Is, is there, is there a perfect coach out there? No. The, no, there's not. But I, I do think that that's a fair criticism of him because I do think, and like you said, by his own admission, he gets caught up in it sometimes and then needs to slow down. And so maybe you, have someone on staff that he's maybe that's one of the changes that comes out of this bye week mm. you know he says somebody help like i need someone to be my like game management guy <laughs> and seems have that certainly so broncos um, have one now <laughs> yeah <laughs> i just don't i mean the thing that um like if you go look at like the numbers on a lot of those decisions like the analytics side of it yeah most of them are not like egregiously bad decisions you know it's pretty paper thin margins um the thing is that there and like why i think people sometimes struggle on the analytic side of it is i don't know that it's taking into account sort of like this specific team and this specific situation and like even what you've done in past spots and so there are moments like that vikings one to me um the problem for me there wasn't even that they opted for the worst of the three available choices there, <laughs> you know, go for a punt or kick a fuel and they chose kick a fuel which I think everyone was like, Oh, they're going to miss this fuel Um <laughs> It was that to me, it felt like, you know, they, what was it? They had the two minute warning right before the third down play. Right. Yeah. something I like that. So. I'm yeah. thinking that thinking this through. Right. And I think probably that whole two minute warning they talked about how they were going to run the ball with Jamal Williams and then they were going to punt. And then they were, here's what we want to do on defense. And then Jamal got 11 or whatever it was. And now you're in fourth and three and the crowd's going crazy and the clock's running and it's the make or break decision. And he, to me, it felt like he just like freaked out and no one on that staff stepped up and said, dude, like, no, settle down. And I, uh, in the moment, I like I was glad Goff said after the game I should have told him because that right. was what I was thinking. Like, there are teams like there was the was it the Ravens where John Harbaugh was like, "You want to go for this, Lamar?" He's like, "Yeah, let's go for it." And they went yeah. for a fourth down and they got the first down. Right. And like so, certainly I think Jared Goff is at a point in his career where he should have that sort of pull here. Um, so that's that's more the concern for me is like you're saying. I think a lot of it is just is not like all right, well, we planned for this exact situation. We decided we're going to kick a few goal here. Like if we get fourth and long in the first court, first half at new England, uh, we're probably going to go for it. Cause our defense has been struggling. It's more like, 
uh, I don't know. What do you want to do? Just <laughs> go for it. And then they get sacked and they fumble. And so that's that's more to me the problem is that, and maybe that's not what's happening, but it feels like yeah. they are so careful and so measured. They go through, you watch them all camp. Like they're like, let's get in this exact situation. What do we do if it's first and 10 from the 21 and there's 12 seconds left? So like, what's our play? <laughs> Every single situation, it feels like they cover, except for these things that keep coming up. Sometimes. So I don't know how they keep finding these blind spots, but right. that's what it feels like. And it's interesting because right now, I mean, it's hurting. It's hurting the team occasionally, but when this team is like actually going to compete, these sort of things are going to happen every freaking week. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so it's something, and and it goes back to I think a point that I think needs to continue to be brought up, which is Dan Campbell's still kind of new at this Aaron Glenn still kind of new at defensive coordinating this was kind of the risk you took when you took all these kind of rising up and comers Ben Johnson doing a heck of his job in in his first time so like there's a learning curve for everybody it's just when when do you decide that that learning curve isn't moving as fast as you need it to this podcast has a title by the way (laughs) (laughs) the the, the podcast of this title is does Dan Campbell ride the lightning (laughs) Nice. I like it. Thank you. <laughs> um, I do. You, do you have one more, Ryan? I got one more. Well, I, I feel like we should just maybe end on a high note. Like, can we just? <laughs> yeah. Can we? Can we compliment the Lions' run game a little bit? Talk about like how sustainable you think this is, Chris. And I mean, I guess the how you sustain an, uh, a run game in the NFL is through the offensive line. And do you think that the Lions have have that stability? Yeah, I mean, I think it should be sustainable. I think this was like the one thing as they were building this and really as the previous regime was attempting to build it and just couldn't get it right. Like, I think this was the one area that they looked at and said, we can make this stable. You know, we can get a really good offensive line here. We can get a couple tight ends that can block and we can get some dynamic running backs and we can just sort of control games that way. So. uh, Yeah, I mean, I think that that should be absolutely what they lean on this year and next year as much as they possibly can. Cause I, I do think it is for real. I think, you know, despite some hiccups here and there from the line that that's still one of the better lines in football and they should be able to control games, uh, control games up front. And I think, you know, if you can get swift healthy too, like that swift Williams combo is, is a really, really good one and, a, and brings different things to the table. So, yeah, I mean, I, it's been really fun to watch when it's clicking and when they've had opportunities to run the football. All right, we'll close that out there. Uh, last thing with, for you, Chris, uh, where where can they find you? Where what what can they expect out of the athletics draft coverage? Because Lions fans are ready for I'm it already. Over. So. Yeah, you know, it's <laughs> <on over. laughs> uh, so yeah, I'm still on Twitter, still uh, still sarcastically tweeting through Detroit sport events, uh, <laughs> as Jeremy mentioned at Chris Burke NFL, and then yeah, so I'm more on the back end of things now uh, at the athletic uh, uh, helping run our NFL draft section, but um, kind of the team there is really great. It's Nick Baumgartner uh, who people know from the Lions coverage and Dane Brugler, who for my money, and I mean, I work with him, so I have probably have to say it, but I think it's the best, you know, draft uh, guy out there. Um, Nate Tice, Deontay Lee. So it's a really good team. Uh, we're already pretty heavy in the draft coverage. Um, and I think, uh, I think what one of the things that we really want to try to do is is dig down on a lot more um, 
individual team coverage, but from people who aren't on the beat. So sort of what we talked about at the start here, like getting a little more outsider perspective instead of just hearing from, uh, not that there's anything wrong with hearing from the people on the beat, but just getting uh, maybe more of a broader view of uh, sort of how franchises might be able to move things forward. So um, tons of coverage up already. Dane's writing every week uh, on uh, key games to watch, key prospects to watch. Nick writes every Saturday night about what happened in college football and then um, sort of filling in gaps everywhere else. So hopefully uh, people enjoy it if they swing over to check it out. Yeah, we and I believe we've had everyone but Nate Tice on on our podcast at one point, and so we we love the guys there. We'll have to bring Nate in uh, when I'm fully ready to commit to draft talk. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, appreciate you. Uh, good catching up with you, Chris. Thanks thanks for your time. Yeah, yeah thank thanks you. for having me. And thank you all for listening. Uh, we will be back uh, Sunday night. Probably we actually haven't discussed when we're going to do our, our bi-week full POD cast, but uh, we'll be ready then. Uh, and then we'll we'll be on to, to Cowboys week. So uh, uh, for Ryan, for Chris, uh, for myself, thank you all for listening. It's chaos. Be kind.